Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The following podcast is a W2M Network partnership production. Visit w2mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. You are now listening to The Football Five, only on the W2M Network. Hello, I'm Joshua Laurie, and this is The Football Five. Uh, I'm joined today by Dylan Goldman, Eric Watson, and our producer, Sean. All right, as we start with always, we're going to go through the scores of the games of this past week. On Thursdays, the Falcons beat... The Buccaneers, 43-28. On su- kicking off the Sunday games, we had the Lions winning in Minnesota, 22-16. The Giants pull off a stunner against their NFC East rivals, the Eagles, 28-23. The Dolphins beat the Jets, 27-23. The Jaguars still aren't able to get another win. They lose to the Chiefs 19-14. The Cowboys demolish the Browns 35-10. The Ravens take control of the AFC North, beating the Steelers by a score of 21-14. The New Orleans Saints win a shootout 41-23 in the Bay against the 49ers. The Panthers are able to get another win, beating the Rams uh, by a score of 13 to 10. The Cow- the Colts pull off the upset in Lambeau, winning 31-26 over the Packers. On the Sunday night game, we had the Raiders outgun the Titans, winning 43-35. Sunday night, we had the Oakland Raiders win in the black hole, and take control of the AFC West, defeating the Broncos by a score of 30-20. to And on Monday night, the Seahawks beat the Bills 31-25. Now, Eric, you were telling me that the Monday night game was an epic collapse. I did not get a chance to watch the game, so can you fill me in on the details? Absolutely. It wasn't so much an epic collapse, but a comedy of errors at the end of the first half. The Bills are all lined up to kick a field goal. Granted, the game was still close, and all of this could partly be to blame on why the Seahawks won. Richard Sherman, on the the blocking team, set up. He was on the right side but he initially lined up offsides. No flag. Snap goes, kick is up, but Richard Sherman almost plows into Dan Carpenter. Carpenter, a little slow to get up, gets up limping. Again, no no flag on that one. They wind up calling the offsides, but since the medical staff had to come out treat Dan Carpenter, he had to be out for a play. So the Bills go in, they spike the ball. Carpenter comes back. There's another flag, delay of game. Puts the field goal kick back five yards. But the reason why there was a delay of game, the referees stood over the ball until there was four seconds left on the play clock without resetting the play clock. So now two made field goals do not count. 
Carpenter gets up a third time, kicks it, and the ball goes wide right. Since then, Dan Carpenter's wife put out a, let's just say, less than flattering Instagram post with a lot of undertones, throwing a lot of shade at Richard Sherman, saying if you're going to be like, if you're going to be an animal, we're going to treat you like one. And it was accompanied with a picture of a device that's used to castrate certain farm animals. And on top of that, the NFL and the referees said, yes, it should have been roughing the kicker on the first attempt on Richard Sherman. Granted, Richard Sherman, he was playing to the whistle. He said the only thing that mattered was not letting the kick go off. And Pete Carroll came out to defend him. That's a situation with Seattle, a history of missed and blown calls by the referees, favoring the Seahawks at home in prime time. And it's gotten pretty ugly. Well, no wonder the talking heads on talk radio were losing their minds about the Monday night game. Now... Dylan, we talked about, we mentioned going through last week's games a little bit about the AFC North race and how that becomes really complicated with three teams all within half a game of each other. Uh, What are your thoughts on how that race is going to shake up? Yeah, first of all, I know the Browns are in this division, but let's just pretend they're not because they have no impact on this division except for when they play these teams, but I'm pretty sure they're not going to have that much of an impact, so let's pretend they're out and let's focus on the three other teams in that division, the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Steelers. Now, the Steelers were projected to at least win a division. Some thought it would be a little easier for them, but now they're tied with Baltimore, and Cincinnati is only a half game back. So this is close. This is going to come down to the wire, at least we expect, unless the Steelers, who I think are the team in this division that are most likely to pull off a big run, this is going to come down to a Week 16 or Week 17 game when two of these teams play. Now, this is always a, this is always a competitive division. This is always a division where it's low scoring, it's, defend, it's a defensive game, these, whenever these teams meet, it's always close games. So whenever these teams meet, it's going to come down to the wire. Of course, Baltimore plays Cleveland this week. But as I just said, let's try to pretend Cleveland is not even in this division at this moment because Cincinnati's a half game back and Baltimore and Pittsburgh are tied for the lead at 4-4. Four and four. Pittsburgh is probably is the best team in this division, I'm going to go out and say. But Ben Roethlisberger is clearly not 100% yet, and their defense has struggled mightily to start the year for the first half of the season. So I'm not going to say Pittsburgh will be able to run away with the division yet. Baltimore, even though they beat them, does not impress me too much. I think they're kind of unimpressive, and Cincinnati's 3-4-1. and one. I mean, it's going to come down to the wire. I think Pittsburgh is ultimately going to come out as division champs, but don't expect this to be a runaway, especially with the way their defense is playing and the way Ben Roethlisberger's health is shaping out. I do think Pittsburgh's going to come away with it, but right now it's a, it's a close race and expect those when those teams meet that it will decide this division. Okay, now another thing we saw this week was how uh, the two – starting rookie quarterbacks who have been on point all season, how different they've been playing over the last couple of weeks. We've seen Carson Wentz go from the toast of Eastern Pennsylvania to, well, a normal sports figure in the city of brotherly love. Meanwhile, Dak Prestaw is riding high, and he is looking like the starting job for America's team is his to lose. Uh, what do you have to say about the difference in their playing styles? And also, who would you say are your top three quarterbacks so far this season each? Personally, I don't know necessarily if it was his health that's gotten to Big Ben's mechanics. I don't know if it's the offensive line that's breaking down. 
There's been a lot of talk about just terrible offensive line play in the NFL for most teams. That's a story for another day. But there is something that is really no longer clicking with Pittsburgh because of that. And while I think Ben is still capable, I think he did come back too soon. But he's showing that he can't necessarily carry the team by himself. And then on the other side of the coin, you look at Baltimore. I don't know what's going on, if they've changed their schemes or what, but Flacco has a little bit more time. He's finding more open receivers, and the whole Ravens offense is becoming a beneficiary. Now, as far as my top three quarterbacks, I can't necessarily say in a particular order, but... No disrespect to Dak Prescott. None whatsoever. I think that Dallas has found their guy. It's going to make Romo's situation interesting. But if you're looking at top three, I have to go Derek Carr because of his arm, because of his maturity in the pocket, making plays, knowing when to scramble. He is just tearing it up this year under what's improving to be a great system. I also have to look at Matt Stafford. Originally, I thought no way that he could be the MVP, but with his trend of showing up big in the fourth quarter and overtime, like he did against Minnesota last week, I don't know. I take him out of that team, and I'm looking at a team that's 0-9 instead of 5-4. and And... As much as it still pains me to say this because I wish he would go ahead and retire, Tom Brady's got the boulder on his shoulder. He's thrown already for over a 1,000 yards, is on pace to in just 12 games, possibly go near 5,000 yards on the season. And, well, the Patriots, because of him, are remaining the Patriots. Garoppolo and Brissett did okay in his absence, but... He's showing team needs him, and the rest of the league should still fear him. Yeah, look, well, both Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott have both been very impressive for the first half of the year, but I think we're starting to see a little bit of separation between the two. Carson Wentz is starting to commit those turnovers that we typically see in a rookie. To start the year, he didn't even have an interception for most of the first quarter of the year. Now we saw last week he made some throws that were questionable, that were picked off, but he's still been impressive this year, and that's why the Eagles are in a solid position to get to a playoff spot. But Dak Prescott, on the other hand, has been on an MVP level. The way he's led the Cowboys to having only one loss this year, having not lost since week one, he's been very impressive. Of course, he's had Ezekiel Elliott, who's also in the MVP conversation, to help him carry the load of what was expected to be quite a burden with Tony Romo out, but it only seems that they're improving under Dak Prescott. So both are have been very impressive this year, but Dak Prescott has put himself in a position to be an MVP candidate. Dallas has only one loss. They've had some injuries on that offense, and that hasn't bothered him. We've seen guys like Cole Beasley come out. Jason Wynn had a big game last week. So Dak is really bringing out all of the weapons on that Dallas offense, and that's why they only have one loss this year, and also that's why they're in position to potentially run away with that division. So right now, I'm giving the ball to Dak, the hot hand, until either obviously an injury occurs and Tony Romo is fully healthy because we know his injury history, or Dak starts to struggle all of a sudden, which I don't see happening because of the way he's playing right now, but anything can happen and then you have a sturdy veteran to back him up. So that's when I turn to Romo. But for right now, I'm going to keep riding Prescott at least until Romo's 100% healthy. But for my top three quarterbacks, I'll start with number one. I think it's a runaway with Tom Brady, especially with the way some of our other star quarterbacks in the NFL have been playing. He runs away with it this year. I mean, he's 39 years old, but he's playing like he's 27. I mean, this guy continues to improve with age. He's going to he's going to be a leading MVP candidate. The Patriots have one loss and that was not even 
when he that was when he wasn't starting. That was under an injured Jacoby Brissett. So they're undefeated when he started. So he's been very, very impressive, and that's at 39 years old. I mean, this guy has been putting up incredible numbers for his entire career, and that has continued this year. For me, number two, I think it is Derek Carr. He is a uh, he's showing extremely fantastic production and improvement in his third season. We saw it last year. His rookie season was a little bit of a work in progress, but now he's putting up fantastic numbers. That's why the Raiders are seven and two and our first place in the AFC West. And for me, at number three, I think it goes to Matt Ryan. Matt Stafford is right there at number four, but I'm going to give it to Matt Ryan because he has been able to find other weapons, making it easy on Julio Jones, and he still found a way to get Julio Jones involved in that offense. He's been very, very productive this year. The Falcons are in position to make the playoffs if they don't have an expected if they don't crumble down the stretch, which, is ha- hap- which has happened in the past couple of years. But if he continues to play like he has, then he's going to be in conversation for MVP, and he will be a top-three quarterback by the end of the season. All right, and my top-three quarterbacks, obviously, at number one, I have got to have Tom Brady. He has just been... A miracle worker this season. You think he's going to start slowing down one of these days, but who knows? It's not looking like that at this rate. My second quarterback, I have actually got to go with Derek Carr. He has definitely taken the lessons of his older brother, David, who was the first overall pick back with the expansion Titans in 2003. Then, at number three, I've got Matthew Stafford. I thought that he was going to become one of those quarterbacks who just stopped starting and became a journeyman backup after his main threat, Megatron, retired. But you know what? He's looking like a better quarterback and that he was limited in his development by having Calvin Johnson. He looks like a completely different player than we saw earlier in his career. Uh, for me, Whoa. my top... Oh. No, you go ahead. For me, my top three quarterbacks, I think you guys have kind of said the ones that are in play, honestly. I don't think we need to really just go over everything. But, I mean, Tom Brady, clearly number one. I don't know that he's working miracles. He's just doing what he does. He's got everybody healthy right now. I mean, that helps a lot, honestly. And... The great point, what he's been doing to... Sorry, trying to uh, not have the dog barking constantly while I'm talking. No problem. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, and I think uh, Derek Carr is certainly number two. I mean, he's one of the main reasons why the Raiders, and uh, let's let's not forget that for there was uh, various games where Latavius Murray, who had three touchdowns in the, in the previous game, uh, wasn't around, and they really didn't have this huge running game. It was all on Derek Carr, and this defense is still not really providing what you know a lot of people thought they were going to do. Uh, never the all the talk in the offseason was about the defense. There, it, it's still not where, where you want it to be. It's all about Derek Carr and his arm, and where him getting it to all to those receivers. Seth Roberts being a, a bigger piece than I think a lot of people. He kind of came on last season. People weren't really paying attention because you got Crabtree and Cooper there. But uh, Seth Roberts has really become a third guy. And honestly, I know you guys like Stafford. I have a problem with Stafford at all. I think my thing with Stafford is that he has a lot of times where he doesn't really show up throughout the game. He shows up at the end. And then it's like live or die. If they don't make that one clutch uh, fourth quarter run, they don't win. And, I mean, that's great and all, but I want consistency throughout the game. I want to know that you're scoring and that you're not only waiting on that one big defensive play and then, oh, we give it to Stafford at the end and he does something. I have to give it to Dak as my third guy right now. He has been consistent throughout a game. He has the offensive line that protects him. He's got a, a running back that you can give him the ball and he is going to give you more yards than you want. And he has proven also that he can get out there 
on the left, on the right, and throw. It's not just all in the pocket. It's a, he gives you everything you want, and he's not playing like a rookie at all. That's a grown man, and he keeps showing it every week. Well, again, I expected Dak to be good, but I don't think anybody expected him to be this good. And yes, it was a little bit of a gamble, the Cowboys trading up to get Ezekiel Elliott, but I think, if anything, that's helped. You're creating that strong running game, and the fact that they let Dak be able to rely on short passes, some intermediate passes to get him comfortable, and I've noticed in the past two, three weeks to kind of open some things up. And I believe Josh... You mentioned Marcus Mariota? Not this week. Well, okay, not this week, and this is kind of what I'm getting at. Mariota's showing me that he's had talent, but it's slowly, especially under the coaching of Mike Malarkey, he's showing more and more the fact that He's got limitations outside of a Chip Kelly system. I think he can still be great, but I think maybe this should be the time to where a trade talk should go. Maybe send him out to San Francisco, create a nice little duo with Colin Kaepernick, but I said as he was drafted he would be hindered. And I think I'm being proven right. All right. Now, as we get to the midpoint of the season, it's we're starting to see who's a real contender and who's a pretender. So I would like each of you to give me your contender and pretender of the week. Well, my contender, and I have been saying this really since last season. Last season, I dubbed them as a dangerous team that was going to be a year away. This season, I still keep them as a dangerous team, and they're proving it. The Oakland Raiders win amongst all the speculation of where they're going to play with the Fairly young team, especially on offense. Del Rio coming in and trying to clean up a mess. They're proving me right. 7-2, and two, going on to potentially a 10, maybe an 11-win season. They are the biggest threat in the division. Denver can still come and catch them, but right now, Oakland is the team to beat. As far as my pretender, well, Sam Bradford has kind of fallen back down to earth. There's been a whole big issue about how the offense in Minnesota is. North Turner quit. Mike Zimmer had issues. Now Pat Shermer's in. But Bradford showing like he played in L.A. Well, back then it was the St. Louis Rams. Like he's played in Philadelphia. The defense of your team, while they're great and can win titles, it can only do but so much. And now the offense is starting to get more and more exposed. And I don't think it's going to get any easier for Minnesota from here on out. So, granted, Detroit could come in, steal that division. I don't know where the Packers' heads are at. Chicago's a dumpster fire. But, sorry, Minnesota, your, your spots aren't as bright anymore. Well, I definitely think the Raiders are contenders after last week's win against Denver. I think that definitely showed everyone that they're going to be contending for a playoff spot and for a division title. For me, my contender is the Atlanta Falcons. They're 6-3, and three, atop the division with a one-and-a-half game lead over the Saints. Not the strongest division in the league. They have one of the best offenses in the league, and their defense has been a pleasant surprise. So, they've now won two straight. They kind of had a little bit of a stumbling block after losing two straight. Now they've beaten Green Bay. They've beaten Tampa Bay on the road. And now they sit at 6-3. and three. 
We're at the midpoint of the season. We've mentioned this many times, but we don't trust the Falcons because of their past track record where we've seen them stumble. Last year, they fin- they started 6-7-0 or and finished 8-8. and So we can't I- – I still don't believe them fully for competing long-term for a, spot- a playoff spot long and deep into the playoffs. But in terms of getting there, I think they have – the weapons on offense to get past their struggles in terms of keeping a lead in the division. I think they're going to be a contender if they can get, get past that hurdle midseason and build a little bit more of a comfortable lead on the Saints. Now, my pretender is the Denver Broncos. They're not out of it because they have the one of the best defenses in the league, but their offense is not very impressive to me, and it especially is not now that they lost C.J. Anderson. Devontae Booker has been strong for most of his appearances so far in his rookie season, but they're just not impressing me on offense. Their defense did most of the work last year, and they're going to continue to do that this year. But for me, it's looking like the Raiders are looking like the better team right now. Things could change over the next seven or eight weeks, Right now, I just don't see Denver in a position to contend. But that defense can go a lot of places. But I am not very impressed by that offense, especially now that they are going to rely heavily on Devontae Booker. So they're my pretender. All right. My contender of the week has to go to the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, let's not even talk about the NFC East. They are looking like the best team in the NFC, they're playing the best football, and they have the best record of the NFC. Dak Prescott has filled in perfectly for the injured Tony Romo. I mean, if you told me at the start of the season that there would be an actual debate between starting Dak or Tony, I would have said, you're an idiot, and I would have bet you dye my hair blonde, and I'd be blonde again. As for my pretender, I have got to go with the Baltimore Ravens. Yes, I know I sound like a salty Steelers fan, and that might be a little bit about it. But their four wins have been four ugly games that could have gone either way. Their offense cannot do anything. At least they've got a decent defense, but it's not elite enough to put them in the playoffs. I feel it's just a matter of time before it all falls apart, especially on the offensive end for the Dirty Birds in Charm City. Uh, I think for me, the uh, contender is... I gotta gotta go with the... I think the Falcons are going to wind up winning that NFC South. When the Saints are your closest... Bet there, that that should tell you all you need to know. I I do think the Panthers are going to be playing spoiler for some people here. I don't think they're out of it yet. They keep racking up wins. They're going to gain confidence, uh, and they're they're going to be a team you don't want to play if you're some of these contending teams. But I think Atlanta understood what happened last year. They have grown from it. Uh, Dan Quinn understands that you have to be mentally tough, and you can't whittle in these games and I think they've done that this year they've already shown that look we're going to have that killer instinct we're going to go out there and we're going to beat you down if we have to and if not you know we're going to we aren't going to quit until the end and there's been a couple games that they've lost they could have easily won that game against the Raiders the game against the Seahawks so the fact that they've been putting up fights in some of these losses I think already shows much better than last year so I think definitely Atlanta look out as being a contender, not to mention the year that Matt Ryan is having. Um, and I think uh, I'm surprised none of us even talked about really Matt Ryan and when we were talking about top three quarterbacks, just thinking about it. But uh, honestly as well, I think the, the pretender for me, it's hard because, you know, you have to think at some point the Vikings might pick it up and figure it out. But it's let's let's be honest here. The Packers haven't looked any better this year. Uh, I mean, there's been times where they've looked okay, and there's times where they've looked bad, and they still have no running game. It's all on Aaron Rodgers, and yes, that guy is superhuman at times. 
But he seems to be caving under the pressure also. And that defense also doesn't seem to be as holding up as strongly as they were earlier in the season. When I'm looking at it, I think at the end of the day, we have to look at this in a realistic perspective. Sam Bradford is playing behind a completely beat-up offensive line. That's not all on him. We want to we play around and, and hate on Sam Bradford. That's fine. Uh, he's got to deal with North Turner not being there anymore. I think, honestly, uh, yes, they've lost the division games, but I'm going to say the Packers may be a bit of a pretender right now. All right, and with that, we will head to commercial break. And when we come back, we will start previewing the games for next week. Dylan, what are Blake Bortles' first half stats? 299 yards, two touchdowns, and interceptions. He could do better than that. He knows it. Rachel, what's the latest on Big Ben's leg injury? His leg is healing. He should return to the game. The Steelers will need him the rest of the way, so that's a big break for them. Eric, what's the score in Glendale? Cardinals lead the Patriots 42-7. We all saw that coming. Josh, how are Joe Flacco and Cesar coming along? I mean, I hate to say it, but they're looking good. I mean, they had a great game last week, and they're only one game out of first place in the AFC North. Don't count them being there that long. Do you want to hear more of that? Listen to the Football Five every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, only on the WTM Network. Also, follow us on Twitter, at the Football Five. If you're in the Pittsburgh area, look up McCrigger Photography on Facebook. That's M-C-K-R-I-G-E-R Photography. We specialize in senior pictures, portraits, wedding photos, engagement photos, and family photos. Contact us for rates and dates. Would Flex Seal be a better option at your flex position? Do you need a sham wow to clean up the mess you make after your quarterback throws another interception? Then we have the solution for you. I'm Randy Isbell. And I'm Mike Mitchell. And we're here to clean up your fantasy mess with more power than OxyClean. Check out the Fantasy Football to the Max podcast every Monday and Thursday at W2Mnet.com. Are you an arena football fan looking for the latest news involving your team? Inside the Arena has you covered. Check us out for the latest news around both the Arena Football League and the Chinese Arena Football League. Read all of our stellar articles at InsideTheArena.org. Also, follow us on Twitter at Inside underscore Arena. And like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash InsideTheArena. It's game time, boys, and we know football. Football the Max is the podcast for you if you want in-depth analysis over the NFL and college football. We preview all the action coming your way over the weekend. And we break down all the big action after it's happened. Plus, we tackle all the big news topics and discuss everything when it comes to the gridiron. So come check out Football to the Max every Tuesday morning and Friday morning on the W2M Network. And we're back. And now I want to throw it to my co-hosts. What game are you most excited for this week, week 10? I mean, maybe it's me, but normally there's one big, okay, this is the game that I have to see, this is the game that I have to tune in for, but... Outside of quite possibly Seahawks-Patriots, because it is a Super Bowl rematch, because of all the intrigue now with Richard Sherman in Seattle going up against all the intrigue that led up to this season of Tom Brady, this is one I'm keeping my eye on more. But with the insanity of this season, eh? Although I will say... I am also going to keep an eye out for Cardinals Niners because now that the Chiefs are starting to prove me more right for one half of my Super Bowl, Cards got to step up their game a bit to really make me feel better. Yeah. Uh, I'm... Go ahead. 
I'm really looking at Seahawks-Patriots as the game of the week. I mean, we're looking at a Super Bowl 49 rematch. Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Seahawks defense bringing one of the best of the league on Sunday night football. I mean, this can't get any better. Both of these losses are pretty similar to what we saw in that Super Bowl, which was one of the best that we've seen. So I'm expecting a lot of the same on Sunday. It's going to be a great game. But I also want to keep an eye out for Cowboys Steelers in Pittsburgh. If Ben is healthy, a little more healthy than he was last week, this is also going to be a very intriguing game to look out for. But if the Steelers defense is going to continue to play like they that like they have been, then the Cowboys offense might have a field day. But the Steelers might be able to respond on an injured Cowboys defense. So that should also be a game to look out for. But for me, my game of the week, per se, is Seahawks-Patriots. My game of the week definitely has to go to that Fox NFL game of the week. It's good luck for me, bad luck for Steven, because I'm pretty sure Joe Buck is going to be on the call when his Cowboys come up to Pittsburgh. I mean, does it get any better when you talk about professional football than Cowboys Steelers? I mean, we're talking about all the titles, all that pedigree. And this year, we've got the one of the best offensive lines and running attacks against one of the best air attacks in Pittsburgh. I see that game being a shootout. And, of course, because I am a delusional homer, I've got the Steelers winning. I mean, obviously, being a Cowboys fan, that Cowboys-Steelers game with all the history you just talked about is obviously on my radar. I think anybody that is a neutral football fan that doesn't have the Seahawks-Patriots as your game of the week, I don't know what you're looking at, especially after the big controversy the Seahawks caused on Monday night. People are going to be wanting to see that the Patriots are obviously, whether you like them or not, they are ratings draws, and they're going to draw people. But I also, I think... uh, a game that could be interesting. It could be either as in like a defensive matchup or it could be just interesting to see, you know, what kind of Panthers team you're getting. But the Chiefs and Panthers, uh, I'm watching out for that one in Carolina as well. All right. Now, what team do you think plays their way out of the playoff picture starting this week. Personally, I say it's the New Orleans Saints. I know that they've been looking good, but their defense is still awful. And when they start playing teams with decent defenses, like the Denver Broncos, who they host this week, that lack of a, that inability to stop the other team from scoring is going to hurt them. And Sean Payton will see himself on his couch another January. Honestly, kind of looking, especially with this week's game going against the Eagles. Now, I'm going to put in a bit of a caveat. If they can at least do well, especially that the Eagles are vulnerable and they can get a win, I'm going to have to change my mind. But looking at this schedule, this is the meat of it. And I think the Falcons are going to slowly start coming back to earth, possibly on the way out. Yes, I realize that they are in a weak division, but they've still got a couple of key divisional games left to end the season. That could turn around and decide it, especially if the Saints can keep catching fire. I'm still not 100% sold for one reason or another. Personally, for me, I think it's the Bengals. I don't think they're going to totally fly out of the playoff picture, but I expect them to lose to the Giants on Monday Night Football on the road. That's what I think. If they win, then it's a completely different story, but what I'm expecting them is to lose, which would drop them to 3-5-1. and one. And We talked about this earlier. Their division is open. The division pretty much has three teams that can win it. But I just don't like the way the Bengals are playing right now. And if they lose and drop to 3-5-1, I think they could be heading towards the bottom. But knowing that division, nothing is impossible. But I would not like their chances if they lost on Monday night. 
Uh, uh, for me, I think uh, you have a really good shot here of perhaps uh, for the well for one. The Jets have no shot at all if they lose to the Rams. Uh, they obviously have to. They can only lose like I think like one more possibly to even get in. But the Jets are totally gone if they lose. Um, I think the Chargers really have to go on a run here, and they cannot lose to Miami if they want to have any shot at the playoffs. Uh, maybe you lose something down the line once you know where some of the other teams in your division stand. After you rack up more games, maybe a week 13, week 14. But I think the Chargers are in a must-win situation here at home against the Dolphins. They could easily, you go to four and six. I think you're you're pretty much done with how that division is. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, now we're going to move on to another topic. Now, Dylan. We know that you are one of our AFC South uh, experts being a Jaguars fan. Who do you think is setting themselves up to come out of that division? Well, look, this is another division that we talk about that is pretty wide open. I hate to say this as a Jaguars fan, but at 2-6, and six, unless they have a, a pretty much an eight-game winning streak to finish the season, which is incredibly unlikely... I think they're out. So I think this comes down to three teams here. That is the Texans, the Titans, and the Colts. The Colts proved a lot to me when they went into Lambeau and beat the Packers. For me, I am liking the Texans and the Colts as the two top teams here to finish with a chance to win this division. I like Tennessee, but I think they're a year or two away. I just don't think they, they for some reason, have trouble winning at home. And that is not going to help when you're trying to win a division. I think Marcus Mariota is not quite ready yet. I think he still needs some developing. We saw that last week with his turnovers. He's progressing well, but I just don't see Tennessee competing yet. I think they'll be in the race, but they'll drop off as the season ends. So it comes down for me to Houston and Indianapolis. Houston currently holds a one-and-a-half game lead. Houston won their first game, albeit in So... This is a very close race. These are two teams that aren't exactly your best teams, but they're set up because of the division they're in. I think ultimately Houston is going to come out of it as a slim victor, maybe by a half game, maybe one game. Indianapolis's defense is not going to get it done. Andrew Luck is still getting pressured constantly. And trust me, Houston's quarterback situation isn't exactly the best. We know of Brock Osweiler has gone off to for this midway point of the season. But I think Houston, as they get healthier, will be set up to win this division. But Indianapolis and Tennessee could very easily come in and take uh, take advantage of that division. I've got to say I agree with you that the Texans are the team who is most likely to come out of the AFC South. Yes, I know, their offense is pretty much one-dimensional since Brock Osweiler has proved to not be worth the investment that the Texans gave him. But their defense, even without J.J. Watt, the Superman of the NFL, is still pumping out quality wins. Uh, I think definitely Houston... You got a two-game lead over the Titans. Who, I mean, if things go their way, maybe you don't have. Maybe maybe you're closer to Houston at this point. But they've kind of some kind of unlucky uh, losses where they get really close, but just just not enough. I think Houston just with that defense, you trust them more. Uh, they know you know they can win your games. Brock Osweiler is serviceable enough. Yes, he's bad. But he's serviceable enough to win you games, uh, even and, and he's shown it. Yes, again, I'm not trusting him when you get to the playoffs. But right now, we're being asked to kind of pick wins in this division. 
you could easily see I, I easily see the Colts or Titans losing more games before I see Houston losing more games, and I think that might become it might become a battle of attrition, and I'd pick Houston to win that. I mean, in this somewhat of a race to the bottom, <laughs> it's looking like the Jaguars <laughs> seem to be the biggest mess out of all of the teams. Another offensive coordinator gone not making too many plays on defense, a team with a lot of high hopes has crashed. Tennessee, well, you've still got Mike Malarkey. With Indianapolis, Andrew Luck has proven, eh, yes, highly drafted quarterback, but okay, what has he done? You've got to admit, though, he's got no protection, so you've got to give him credit for doing Let's just say if he was in a different situation, we're talking about a different quarterback play we're seeing on the field from him. And don't get me wrong. I do give some credit for that, especially because the right side of that offensive line has three rookies. I can't put it all on him, and especially because he had his early years of success. But... Just as much as the offensive line has been god-awful, you also see, even before the offensive line deteriorated, Andrew Luck was regressing. This just not, has this hasn't helped him bounce back from that. But either way, that whole situation is still of a mess. With the Houston Texans, They're the one that's the smallest mess. Osweiler needs to improve. You've got a guy in Bill O'Brien who can help him with that. Their defense, a little bit better than mediocre. They have great games. That can help push them to the playoffs. They've established something of a decent running game. You've only got to make one or two tweaks with Houston, whereas with the other three teams in the division, You've got to pretty much do a near total revamp. All right. Are there any topics anybody wants to touch on before we head to our three games to watch for the week? Can I just say the Browns are still just going to be the Browns? I mean, could we see... The second 0-16 team in NFL history occur within about a decade of the first one? I mean, who is going to turn on the light switch, the fact that they need to revamp the way that they are running that organization? I'm sorry. Even I can't take it anymore. I think you definitely have a shot on Thursday against the Ravens team to win there. It's a divisional game as... uh, Josh pointed out the Ravens offense hasn't been exactly, you know, awesome. Uh, and, uh, I mean, the Cleveland has shown that at least offensively they can put up points. And maybe you put up points and, you know, it's a three-game, it's a three-point lead late and you hold on or something. I mean. Yeah, Cleveland has the talent on their roster. They're not extremely talented, but they have certain players like Corey Coleman, like even Cody Kessler. They just acquired Jimmy Collins. So they have talent. It's not that they're, they're not one of the best teams, obviously. They are at the bottom, but they do have talent. But the way they run that organization and the way they have a rotation, basically, with quarterbacks, they can't seem to find one that's healthy or one that can actually produce. That's a problem. So something's going to need to happen. They're going to have to do something, whether it's cleaning house, whether it's changing the way they run things, because... They just haven't been set up for success in the last couple of years, and that really stretches back a long time. And they've had some chances to win games this year, and they have let that slip through the cracks. And they can definitely win games against divisional opponents, whether it be at home against Cincinnati, this week against Baltimore. They've had leads against some of these teams, and then they let it slip through. That might be one of the problems, but they have a lot of things to fix before we can even talk about them doing anything in terms of winning. Yeah, I mean, I know that what Eric was saying about 
changing the way they run the organization. That is part of what this offseason and gutting the team really was for the Browns. They kind of are intentionally bad. Granted, I don't think they wanted to be looking like they would go winless. But with the dearth of talent on this team, I feel more than confident that I wouldn't favor the Browns in any game. And if they finish the season undefeated, I would not be surprised. And football fans in North Ohio, just remember, you have the Ohio State Buckeyes, okay? You've got a good football team, just not a pro team. (laughs) Who deserve their rightful place in the college football playoff rankings fit. I'm okay with that. All right. I'm okay with that, too. And now, as we always finish off the show, we're going to talk about our three games of the week. Our close game our blowout, and our upset. Dylan, why don't we start with you this week? All right, so this game is not going to be a good one. It's Thursday Night Football. We just literally talked about it a couple seconds ago. My close game of the week is Browns-Ravens. I know the Browns are winless. I know they've been had at least four or five or six quarterbacks under center this year. But they're playing a divisional rivalry. They always play their division rivals tough especially the Ravens. I believe they lost to the Ravens by five or a little bit more than that this year to begin the year. So they're going to keep it close. Ultimately, Baltimore is going to pull it out. They're just the better team, but Baltimore hasn't impressed anyone, especially me. So it's going to be a close one. It's going to be a very, very low-scoring game, and it's not going to be a very... A pleasing game to watch, but I'm going to give it to Baltimore, but Cleveland is going to keep it close, so that will definitely be my close game of the week. Now, in terms of my upset of the week, there are a lot of games this week where I could see a team pull off the upset, but for me, I'm going to go down the list here and take it, excuse me for one second, I'm going to take it to San Diego where the Chargers are playing the Dolphins, I think that the Dolphins are going to pull this one out. I know it's a East going to the West. It's always a challenging game. But I think the Dolphins have finally found some momentum. I think they've found a way to get the running game established. Jay Ajayi is playing very well. They had to pull it out against the Jets. That wasn't always a pleasing sign, but they pulled it out. They got the win. San Diego's playing very well, too. This is going to be a very close game. But I think the Dolphins, they're they're underdogs, four-point underdogs. I think they're going to win by a field goal or a a touchdown at most. I don't think it's going to be close. Excuse me, I think it's going to be close, going to come down to the wire. But I think Miami will pull off the upset. And in terms of my blowout of the week, I'm going to Arizona. The Cardinals have not been impressive at all this year, but they are getting a break when they play the 49ers. The 49ers have been about as close to the Browns as you could get, and I sure hope they don't play this year. They're 1-7. They played pretty poorly against the Saints. Colin Kaepernick is looking solid, but I think the Cardinals, this is their chance to bounce back. They're 3-4-1. Their season is not where they would want it to be, and I think they are going to take it to the 49ers this week, so I'm going to take the Cardinals in my blowout of the week. Uh, well, I'll go ahead and go here. Uh, the, for me, the, uh, upset of the week, I'm going to go ahead and do it. I, I think the Browns end their winless streak on Thursday, go to Baltimore. It's close. They've had wacky games where, you know, you have the punt return for six that wins a game. I mean, it could be one of the, one of these wacky things. I'm going to say the Browns win. Maybe late field goal or something. So, uh, Browns will get that that first win after Thursday for me. Uh, I think uh, close game of the week. Uh, I think, I mean, you could have several here. But uh, I'm going to go with the Saints being at home where they play so much better uh, against the Broncos. They're going to keep it close. Um and I, I think, uh, you know, this is going to be a tough test for the for Denver to go in here, just like m- many of the other teams have, and get a win. Uh, 
I, I don't want to make a pick yet, but I definitely think your close game here is is the Saints and Broncos. And blowout of the week. I'm I'm gonna try to go with one that maybe isn't as. Uh, I'll go with uh, the. I'll go with the the Redskins going in and actually uh, getting blown, coming in and blowing out the Vikings at home. Well, for my three games, I really think the challenge is just set it best. With all these teams that are 4-4 four and four or hovering near 500, it's total chaos as far as who should be the favorites. And personally, I normally have to go completely against this team in picking any sort of upset, but I think the way that the stars are aligned and with the way that this series has gone over the past few years, my upset, I think the Jaguars get off the schneid against the Texans. There's always one big game, Houston and Jacksonville. Houston needs it more. The Jaguars just find a way getting it. As far as my blowout, I really have to agree with Dylan. Cardinals needing this win with such big favorites and expectations against a Niners team that is hapless, that will remain hapless. I don't see where too many more wins are coming from. And I think with an Arizona team at their best, especially when they need to be, San Francisco is just going to be another victim in their pathway. This could honestly, to me, propel the start of a very good winning streak that will regain the respectability that everyone had for Arizona at the beginning of the season. And for my close game of the week, among so many of them, I think the Patriots and Seahawks that I initially had as my upset, this is going to be like the Super Bowl, really both of them, that went down to the wire. I think Seattle, they could probably take it, especially coming off of their Monday night performance. But I don't know if Tom Brady has enough in him to completely keep them at bay. If they do win, it's going to be a nail-biter. Okay. Well, it's my close game of the week. I've got to go with the Sunday night game. Whenever the Seahawks play the Eagles, you know those games are going down to the wire. They're not, they don't play frequently enough to be rivals, but they're getting to that hallowed cross-conference animosity that you only see once every 10 years. As for my blowout, come on. We've got the Jets. Probably the most inept offense in the league going up against the Rams. You have one of the best defenses. I know that the offenses won't do much scoring, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams' defense scores two or three touchdowns off of Fitzpatrick miscues and runs away with this game in the Meadowlands. And as for my upset of the weekend, I have got to take... Hmm. This is the thing about everybody being 4-4. Four and four. It's not really obvious who the favorite is. You know what? I've got to take the Titans and Marcus Mariota as they host the Green Bay Packers. And with that, we come to a close of this week's episode of the Football Five. For Dylan Goldman, Eric Watkins, and Sean, the producer, I'm Joshua Laurie, and we are off. The following podcast is a W2M Network partnership production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts 
plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.